Very nice to see you. My name is Neil. I'm married to the wonderful Kate, who you've already met. Uh, we together lead this wonderful church. If you're new here or you're visiting, you're very welcome. It's lovely to see you here this morning. If you'd like to fill out one of these Connect cards, it's on one of the black pouches on one of the chairs nearby. Hand it into the PA desk at the back where Alex is doing an amazing job as always. And we'll get in touch with you. Just a little bit about who we are, what the church does. Don't worry, you're not signing your life away. But um, it just means we can get in touch with you. Shh. Wow. So... How many of you, how many of you would say that maybe occasionally, maybe often, maybe far too often, how many of you would say that you feel stressed? All right, all right, all right, all right. It's a rhetorical question. How many of you would say that, you know, for whatever reason, It feels like your days and your weeks and your months get kind of pretty filled up, pretty rammed, such that, you know, you just look at your diary and you suddenly realize that you don't have any time, any free time in your diary, I don't know, for at least a couple of months. Does that ring any bells? How many of you feel like um, you you wish that you just had more time? You wish that you just had a bit more time, a bit more time either just for yourself. You just don't feel like you actually get any time. I don't get any time just to myself. Or, do you know what, actually, I just like some more time just so I can spend some time with the people around me who I love. If any of that kind of rings true in any shape or form, why is it that we find ourselves in that place? Why might it be that we feel stressed and pressured? Why might it be that our diaries and our schedules are rammed? Why might it be that we feel like there just isn't enough uh, time? There aren't enough hours in the day. Might it be because despite having more um, technological advances, you know, more time-saving devices than at any other point in the history of the earth, we find ourselves without time, the very thing that these things are designed to give us? Despite many of us being richer and wealthier, having more money than we've probably had at any other point in our lives, why is it that so many of us feel financial pressure? Might it be because we live in a culture, we live in a time, we live in a city um, that pushes us to the limits, you know, buy more, do more, accomplish more, achieve more, be more, 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 more. So I've been praying about doing this series that we're starting this morning. I, I have just been asking myself the question, and I just wonder how many of us are living at both an unsustainable and actually an unbiblical pace. It's insane. It's insane what's considered as being normal these days. And um, it impacts not only the way that we are doing life, it's something that we're passing on. Those of us who have kids, it's something that we're passing on even to our children. You think about 
children today, on top of school, on top of homework, it's not unusual for kids as young as seven or eight to be out maybe four or five times a week. Uh, and then there's the weekends, and, and that includes Sunday mornings, um, probably doing some kind of activity. We just think that's kind of normal. And these hectic schedules that we're imposing on our children, encouraging them as we do to you know, dance and to swim and to learn Mandarin while playing the cello and the, um, the violin, you know, with some extra math tuition thrown in for good measure. It all seemed like a good idea at the time, and then it massively backfires on us because we're the mo- we're the ones who've got to drive them to all these activities. We're the ones who have to get them everywhere and watch them as they serve and volley and whatever it is that they do um, to become the wonderfully successful adults that we're all secretly hoping that they're going to become. And so what happens is we're stressed and they're stressed. And, you know, if anyone ever dared ask us, hey, you know, are you enjoying your life? You know, chances are we'd kind of bite their heads and go, no. But I'm far too busy to think about it. I mean, seriously, I've got places to be. I've got to get little Johnny to his advanced computer coding club. Many of us are living without what I'm going to call margin. We have very little... Margin. There's very little margin for error in the major areas of our lives. And, and, and far too many of us have no margin whatsoever for some of the really, really important things in life. Well, with the summer upon us, and I hope it hasn't passed, <laughs> but with the summer upon us and the possibility of some downtime, the possibility of some of us having some time off from work, the possibility of some of us taking some time out from our relentless uh, routines. Just over the next couple of weeks, before we all head off for our luxury villas and um, tents at New Wine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's where we're heading. Um, I, I want us to think about, I, I, want us to give, I want to give us all some things to think about. I want to give us all some things uh, to prayerfully ponder over the summer before September is upon us again. And the the question that I want us to basically be reflecting on and thinking about is, um, how much margin do I have in my life? How much margin do I have in my life? And, And when I say margin, what I'm talking about essentially is space. How much space is there in my life? And what I'm talking about is the difference between what we have on the one hand, and what we need on the other. Uh, is an excellent uh, book on this whole subject written by a chap called uh, Richard Svensson. He's called uh, Margin. Um, and it's, it's absolutely excellent. In, in, in that book, he describes margin as being the amount available beyond what is necessary. The amount available beyond what is necessary. And so, for example, if I've got 30 minutes to get somewhere and it takes... 20 minutes, I have 10 minutes of margin. Or if I have 100 pounds and I've got 80 pounds worth of bills, I have of financial margin. Seriously, this is not rocket science. Do you know what I mean? But 
what might it look like? Well, what, what might living with margin look like? Well, margin, living with margin would be, you know, showing up, I don't know, like early for a meeting. And while we're on the subject, I mean, you know, I just, I could just, I could just throw it out there. Hold on. I haven't contrived this whole sermon series just to get to this one point. But while I'm here, you might want to think about getting to church on time. You know, there's a whole song about it. (sighs) So that, you know, (laughs) yeah, so that, um, so we're not stressed when we get here. Or more importantly, I'm not stressed when you get here. (laughs) What about financial margin? Living with financial margin? Living with financial margin mean I don't know uh, the strange, somewhat strange and utopian concept of having um, money left over at the end of the month. Yeah. So, what's that? What about what about moral margin? What about living with moral margin? Living with enough margin so that there's distance between us and the inevitable temptation that we all face. So that rather than being sort of at the edge, right on the edge all the time, we've got these preset buffers set in our lives that keeps us from stumbling into some kind of life-destructive and life-destroying behavior. Maybe it could be emotional margin. So that we don't have a meltdown every single time something goes wrong and end up, you know, kicking the cat and kicking the kids. Because every time something goes wrong, we just can't cope. Margins having three or four nights a week where you kind of got nothing to do. Really. Margins having that extra time, the extra money, so that you can invest in, you can give to people and ministries around you that you love. Margin is, margin is simply having time. Time to think. Time to reflect. Time to meditate. Time to dream. Without question, most importantly of all, margin gives us the opportunity for significant time with God. You know, not just a quick prayer on the run. You know, our prayer life is the way we do lunch. You know, we kind of dash out for a sandwich, grab a sandwich, eat it on the go, back to our desks. Our prayer life, our relationship with God is, it's the same way. We kind of, God bless me, God bless me, God bless this, God bless that. Lord, show me what to do. Okay, great. Should I do this? Should I do that? I don't know. No, I haven't got time. Great. Well, if it happens, great. That must be yes. Okay, next. Talking about actually spending significant time in the presence of the Almighty. That's what I mean by margin. Okay. Quite simply, margin is what most of us don't have. And yet, um, all of the best things in life happen in the margins. You know, it's really hard to read a book when there are no spaces between the words. It's really hard to read what's on a page where there are no margins. So, got a Bible? Why don't you turn to Luke chapter 10? You have to read your own Bibles this morning. I haven't done you a PowerPoint. 
Luke chapter 10, very familiar, great story about two different women. About two different women. Martha, on the one hand, Martha doesn't have margin. Mary, on the other hand, what Mary does is Mary creates margin. And in so doing, she, she experiences something incredibly profound and special and something that could never, ever be taken away from her. Let's have a look at verse uh, 38, Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, Jesus came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was busy. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And it's interesting, you look at this kind of story here, we're familiar. These two women, have, they both have exactly the same opportunity. But Mary chooses to create a, a moment. You know, Mary must have had plenty of other things to be doing as well. She, um, she may have had to go shopping. She may have had to have done the laundry. She may have had to um, prepare for some important meeting at work the following day. Uh, but she says, do you know what? Right now, I'm going to park all of that. I'm not going to worry about any of that kind of stuff. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm just going to embrace this moment right here in front of me. I'm just going to enjoy Jesus. And Martha, on the other hand, well, Martha's like many of us. She's distracted. And it's interesting that she's not distracted by anything bad or anything evil. She's actually distracted by some, some good things. Jesus is in her house. Jesus is in the house. You know, Jesus is rumored to be the son of God. Okay? From Martha's perspective, that has to be an occasion to get out the best china. You know, she's like, oh, it's the son of God. I've got the best child. I don't even know where it is anymore. You know, someone's got to lay the table. Someone's got to make sure there's enough loo paper. I mean, the son of God's coming to my house. Someone, someone's got to set the table, light the candles or whatever. Someone's got to make sure that everything is right. Everything's in place. And so she's distracted, you know, by good things. But by being distracted by these good things, she misses the best things. She gets busy. Jay Pathak once said, the enemy of God's best for you is something very, very good. If uh, Satan, our enemy, can't make us really, really bad, he's going to try and make us really, really busy. And so what happens is we get busy on these lesser things and we run the risk of missing out on the really important things, and we're distracted from the very best. Those of you with children, how many times, how many times have you been sat at home, and you're sat, and you're doing some work on your laptop, or whatever device it is, you're working at home, because you've got to get the, the job done, and, you know, one of your kids comes up to you, and asks you to help them with something, and you reply something along the lines of, um, uh, could we do that later? I, I'm just doing something really, really important right now. And kind of as it sort of comes out of your mouth, you know somewhere deep down that there's something wrong about that sentence. You know, and that work really should never trump your children. And yet, how often does it? You know, right in front of us, the child right in front of us, that's the main thing. That's the most important thing. You know, um, the work is the distraction. 
put the computer down and be present. So many of us are, are driven to complete the urgent in our lives, that we're missing out on the most important things in life. Mary and Martha, they're in this situation. And I think what, what happens next, I think, is hysterical. Uh, Martha then comes running to Jesus, and she comes to, she comes to him and says, Lord, you know, she's all in a flat. You can imagine. Like, don't you care? It says, don't you care that my sister's left me to do all the work? I'm doing all this stuff by myself. Don't you care about it? Will you tell her to paraphrase, get up off her backside, close paraphrase, come and help me. Huh. You know? And what's, what's hysterical here is that Martha is absolutely convinced that what she's doing is right. She's absolutely sure that she's doing the right thing. I'm doing what's right. I'm, I've got it right. Here I am. I'm doing the right thing. Mary, she's just flipping bone idol. She is so lazy. Jesus, take my side, the right side, and sort her out. And here's one of the greatest challenges that we're going to face as we look at this. Most of us are absolutely convinced that the way that we're doing life is absolutely necessary and is absolutely right. We think, of course we have to live like this. You know, we, we kind of think, well, isn't busyness the same as success? And isn't success exactly what we need in order to be able to live? And success is next to godliness, isn't it, after all, I, I think? And, and so we're convinced that what we're doing is right. And we're convinced that what we're doing is really important. And it's what really matters. Otherwise, we guess we wouldn't do it. Everyone around us is doing the same things, you know. So everyone else lives in the same way. So it's kind of got to be right, hasn't it? But meanwhile, what we're doing in all of that is we're forgetting what the Bible has to say. That, you know, broad is the road. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. And many people are on it. But narrow is the gate. Small is the road that leads to life. Very few people find it. And that's why Romans 12. Romans 12, uh, chapter, uh, Romans 12 verse 1 is so important. For us to understand in this whole context. Uh, Paul writes, he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, I urge you, I urge you in view of God's mercy to lay down your lives as a living sacrifice. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Why is it that we think that the way that most of the world around us is doing life is got anything to do with God's best? Why would we take any guidance from the world around us as if that the world around us knows what God's best is? Paul's saying here, don't be like everyone else, for goodness sake. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Instead, lay down your lives as a living sacrifice. That's your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. You know, with its insane routines and pressures and strivings for success and for money and for fame and for glory, status. Paul says instead, no, 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 be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Allow the Spirit of God to change your thinking, the way that you think about, the way that we think about life. And, and what happens 
when we've laid down our lives as a living sacrifice, when we've allowed the Spirit of God to transform our thinking and change the way that we think, what happens next is then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, the good, pleasing, perfect will of the Lord. Then you'll be able to work out what God would have us do. How many of us are kind of constantly stressed about finding out, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. I don't know whether, I think the Lord might be moving me on. I think the Lord might be moving me here. I think the Lord might be telling me to go and do this. I think the Lord might be saying this. You know, oh, I don't know. Well, if you don't know, ask yourself, have you laid down your life as a living sacrifice? Because that's your proper act of worship. Have you allowed the Spirit of God to transform and renew your mind? Because if you've done those things, then you'll be able to test what God's will is for your life. Then you'll be able to find out whether you should actually be doing any of the things that you're thinking about doing. So what we're going to talk about in the next few weeks, it potentially could have a major impact on our lives. As is always the case, you know, when I am preaching the word of God. (laughs) If you're new here, I am joking. Um, it could have a major impact on us if we'll only, if we'll only allow God to let it soak in us. You know, as we take time over the summer, as we actually seriously think about it and engage with this, take time over the summer, digest it, prayerfully reflect upon it, and allow our minds and our thinking to be transformed by the Spirit of God. And what we're going to be reflecting on is reflecting on the way in which we're doing life and asking ourselves the question, am I certain, am I 100% sure that the way I'm doing life is the way that God has planned for me to do my life? Are we living life? Am I living my life as a living sacrifice? Am I allowing God to transform my thinking and my mind? Martha comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, again, paraphrase, basically, Jesus, tell her, tell her that I'm, I'm right. Tell her to sort herself out um, because this is the way that it should be. I am right, aren't I? And Jesus says to her, no. No, Martha, that's not how it's supposed to be. Your, you know, your, your must-keep-busy mindset, your must-fill-the-hours way of thinking, your must-keep-doing, your devil-makes-work-for-idle-hands philosophy... It uh, means you, you miss the moment, Martha. That's a paraphrase of verse 41, 42. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. But one version of the scriptures has that verse, that little bit of the verse as, but only one thing is needed. You're distracted by many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What's, what's Mary done? Mary's chosen what is better. And here's what we need to understand when it comes to thinking about the, the amount of margin that we have in our lives, and that's the choice on this is ours. The choice about this is yours. And as we think about it, as we look at it, you know, we'll, you'll come up with all kinds of excuses and challenges to it and questions to it, rationalizations for it. Some of you will say, might say, or might think, you know, well, it's easy for you, Neil. 
right? It's easy for you to talk about this. You only work one day a week anyway, right? So, of course, you've got, like, loads of margin. Like, you're paid to just, like, you know, chill, right? And just, like, you know, just be in the clouds with Jesus, you know, and... Um, we can talk, if you like, at any point about that. Um, I'd be really, really open to having that conversation with you. Um, you might think that. You'd be wrong, but you might think that. Um, or, you know, you kind of might sort of look at it and go, well, I hear what you're saying, you know, but you don't know what my life's like. You don't know about my situation. It's different, you know. Um, hear me when I say the choice is ours. Hear me when I say the choice is yours. And you go like, like, oh, you know, you haven't met my boss, you know, and oh, you don't know, the kids really love their Taekwondo ballet in Spanish, right? You know, couldn't, we could never let them stop. It's like, no, um, the choice is yours. What I'm going to say is the choice for how you live your life is yours and nobody else's. The choice is yours. Um, I love what Jay Pathak has to say about this. Um, have, we, have we got that? He says it so much better than I do, so um, why don't you just watch this couple of minutes, Jay Pathak. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that the number one boundary or barrier or challenge for people as they're trying to grow in their life with Jesus is busyness. Period. Uh, I think we are just so busy. There is no end to the amount of things that we could be doing, filling every space of our minds and our energy. People are worn out continually. They get up worried and busy. They go to bed worried and busy. And there is no space for people to hear from God, to rest, to live with some level of peace. It's the number one challenge is time and uh and as a result of busyness and how much there is most people even people who are successful in their life are living passive lives in regard to their own life i mean when you ask them could you be a part of a small group uh could you be a part of this leadership team usually they don't realize they're doing it but if you listen usually people speak in passive language i can't make it to that what do you mean you can't make it to that Meaning your car won't drive there, <laughs> like your feet won't walk you there. You can't make it or you're choosing not to make it. And so I think one of the, the largest challenges I try to give our church is speak actively about your life. Just say, I don't want to. I, I, I'm not going to make that a priority. I would much rather watch another sitcom than pray. I would much rather surf the internet than read the scriptures. I'd much rather go to the pub with my buddies than get to know my neighbors and share my faith. I mean, you have to learn how to be active with your own calendar, your own time, your own energy, and learn how to live with peace and rest in your life with really margins. That there's space in your life that you can hear from God and live your life with others. Because it's in margins that we hear from God and that we develop relationships with other people. So if we can't figure that out, everything else we communicate about our faith, everything else we communicate about our faith gets lost. Because people are so full that anything we pour into their life by way of sermons or opportunities just spills out on the ground because people don't feel as though they're active 
in their own lives so they can make active decisions to become more like Jesus. Ouch. Choices. Uh, just finish with, uh, let's have a look at uh, the end of verse 42. Um, it says, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. It will not be taken away from you. Yes, we all have a choice, but if we choose what's right, it can never be taken away from you. And over these coming weeks, I want us to look at how we might start thinking about making some right choices about creating some margin in our life and how we stop seeking meaning and value and validation from the things of this world and instead find meaning in the things of God. You see, because the Lord has um, so much more for us. The Lord has so much more to offer us than the world could ever even begin to think about. I was reading Isaiah um, chapter 58 this week. In verse 11, it says this. It says, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. And you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. As we seek him, the Lord will guide you always. Not the culture, not the expectations of this world, but the Lord will guide you always. He Not the things of this world. He will satisfy your needs. He will satisfy you in this sun-scorched land in which we live. He will strengthen your frame. And rather than being parched and thirsty and empty and barren and dry and struggling, you will be like a well-watered garden. You will be like a spring whose waters never fail as we stop living according to the patterns of this world in which we find ourselves but instead we start living according to the rhythms of his grace over the summer here at southwest we want to create some margin into our sunday morning services we want to create some space to do the things that we always do you know um, worshiping together and looking at the scriptures together and ministering to one another But we want to create some margin. We want to create some space for some other things. Uh, uh, Some more space for us to just have some more fun together. To to spend some more time together. To get to know one another even better. To hang out together. Enjoy one another's company. And invite people who may not normally come to church. To come and get involved with what God's doing here. And so um, over the sort of six weeks of the summer holiday from Sunday, I think it's the 25th. Of, uh, of July right the way through to the last Sunday in August. Um, our Sunday services here will just be an hour long. Okay? Praise Jesus! I'll just get there before you. Um, ten, yeah, oh. Uh, 10.30 we'll start with worship, right? And then <laughs> we're going to have like a really, 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 really short thought for the day kind of Bible pitch thing, 
so I won't be preaching, because <laughs> I can't possibly do that. <laughs> um, so I'm going to use the next couple of weeks just to make the most of this opportunity that I have. Uh, so a really, really short thing from the Bible and then uh, and some ministry. So that we're finished in here by half past 11. And then uh, each week we'll go outside, hopefully if the weather's good, and we'll just, just spend some time together. So I think... Um, We'll have a picnic on the first week, and then there's uh, the second week there's no surface because of the um, bike ride. And then we'll have a sports day, because you lot are properly competitive. Um, we'll have a tea party and something civilized. We'll have a sounds like summer thing and then a family service. All the information's on here. During the, um, during the service, during the 10.30 to 11.30, while the grown-ups and the adults are in here, all the kids from the ages of 2 to 18... Uh, we've um, got a bunch of guys coming in to do one uh, alternate weeks. They're doing like sports skills, uh, just some fun stuff for kids from two to eighteen. Uh, they're going to be doing that, and then the other two weeks we've got in a, a, a Bigfoot drama and theatre and dance and um, something or other company, just to do some some fun stuff with um, with the kids. Uh, and I'll obviously be involved in the drama and dance workshops. Um, <laughs> Because that's the way I roll. So, um, so that's that. Psalm 46. Psalm 46 verse 10 says this. Be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. The first way for us to get margin in our lives is to be still. And um, the truth is many of us don't know how to be still. Um, it's a real battle for me. Like for being still for five, like properly still, just for like five minutes for me is is not easy. I can sit still for five minutes. I can do nothing for five minutes. I can sit still for hours. I can do nothing for hours. But if I sit quietly for five minutes, my brain is going. very hard just for me just to be still, just get my brain switched off, just sit in the presence of the Lord. Five minutes, for me, that's a real challenge. And um, just five minutes where you can't do anything, you can't think anything, you can't make anything happen, you, you, you can't do anything. Sometimes five minutes can feel like a long time. But as we begin to look at margin in our lives, I'm going to give you all an assignment. Homework. <gasps> Seriously, it's church thing. Stressful. Your assignment, should you choose to accept it, is to be still for at least five minutes every day this week. It's like, oh, easy. Yeah, you, you wait. I don't want you to do anything. Just for five minutes, okay? I don't want you to do anything. I don't want you to think. For some of you, that's going to be your biggest challenge. Like, you know, don't think about anything. Oh, great, I've got five minutes to myself. I can plan. I've got five minutes to myself. Great, I haven't had five minutes to myself for ages. I can, I can, I can organize things. I can, I, can, I can think about making stuff happen so that when the five minutes are up, I can actually get up and make those things happen. No, that's cheating, right? Don't think, don't do anything. Just be in God's presence. Just be still. And just listen. That's all you're allowed to do listen. And what God's going to do is, 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 is for five minutes, 
God is going to begin to break what effectively is the idolatry that is existing in our lives, which is us saying um, effectively that we are on the throne of this life. And we would never articulate like that. Gosh, I, don't, I, I don't think that. Of course I don't have idolatry. I don't, I don't, I don't, Old Testament. Don't do idolatry anymore. Yes, you do. All the time. Going to leave the laundry. The kids are going to shout and scream for five minutes. They'll still be shouting and screaming for five minutes later, so that's okay. There's nothing unusual there. Um, you won't check your emails, okay? Uh, you won't go onto Facebook. You won't tweet about the fact you're sitting still for five minutes. Uh, you're just going to be still. You're just going to be still for five minutes, okay? You're just going to be. And this is a first... It sounds ridiculously small, but it isn't. This is the first very significant step in us moving towards creating a lot more margin in our lives. I personally, I suggest early in the morning, um, first thing in the morning tends to be quite a stressful, pressured, um, time precious uh, space. Uh, so I think that's a good time to interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of the Almighty which is what worship is, and that's what this is. Um, interrupt our day, let's start the day with that, just five minutes of stillness before the Lord and see what he says to us. And some of you may want to, some of us may need to take more time than that. If you want to do that, that's fine, but just five minutes, okay? It might be tough, it might be tougher than you think, but let's start there, Okay. Why don't we start there? Now. So. If you're sitting comfortably. I don't need to worry about whatever else is going on. I don't need to worry about what anyone else is doing. If you're comfortable, close your eyes. Stick out your hands. Just be still. Spirit of the living God, we invite your presence. We ask that you still and quiet our hearts and minds. We sacrifice this time to you. We open our hearts, we open our ears, and we invite you to come.
example, he says, he gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, young men stumble and fall. But those who wait on the Lord, those who hope in the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Why don't you stand?